Hi, I'm Mandy. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to the podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on Spotify. Join us each Sunday at 1030 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. Thank you for braving the elements uh, to be here today. I pray that um, you've already been blessed, and I pray that by the time you leave today, you will realize that uh, your presence here was on purpose. So thanks for being here. Um, I don't know about you, but I can't help but notice in the world today in which we live that we live in a world that's pretty maxed out. Um, Just uh, literally, this generation today is the most anxious, stressed generation of all. (laughs) Maybe every generation can say that, but literally, study statistics say with all that's happening in our world today, and we can blame it on a lot of things, we can say that we have more access today to the world around us. The world is bigger yet smaller than it's ever been because of technology and things like that. But the reality is you and me live in a world that is more uh, stressed, more seemingly chaotic than it's ever been before. And man, I don't know about you, but that I feel that on a regular basis. When we began the new year, I'm not a great goal setter. That's not something that I'm great at, and so I'm trying to learn. But rather than setting goals for the new year, what we've done over the last couple of years, Lauren's done it for many years, last two years now, I choose a word. What is the word for the new year? And that's kind of a big task. I don't know, that, you know one word for the whole year, for my life, but I just began to pray, and I felt like the Lord gave me a word. I felt like he sent a word in my direction, and it's not because I've mastered this word. In fact, I think it's the opposite. I think it's because the Lord knew it would take me a whole year to really try to get this down. But the word I feel like the Lord gave me for this new year is peace. Peace. So this morning, I'm really just going to share from my heart, personally, some of what the Lord has been teaching me about a word that I think we all need. I think that we all desire. I think that we all crave. I think the world around us every day is promoting a new product, a new thing that promises to give us the peace that we so crave, so desire. And so today I want to turn to God's word and just show you one place that the Lord is helping me in this journey toward understanding what peace is. If you would turn today uh, in your copy of scripture, whether on your phone, your device, or in God's word here to John chapter 14, that's where we're going to be camped out today. And as you turn there, I want you to understand what's happening in Scripture as we're about to read it. Uh, The Gospels, there's four Gospels, you may know that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and these are accounts written by men, ordinary people, inspired by God, but some of them are eyewitness accounts. They were there. Some of them are actually um, collecting eyewitness accounts and sharing. So these Gospel accounts give us kind of this account of what Jesus was doing, what his ministry looked like, and What's unique, they each have unique kind of characteristics about them, but what's really interesting is when you compare all four Gospels, they have have some similarities too. So what is similar in all the Gospels is that Jesus' ministry kind of begins, and really begins kind of the same way, where he's doing miracles, and he's teaching, and some people like love that, and they're everywhere Jesus is, they want to be, but then there's this religious leaders, the ones that Jesus offends, because he's not come to kind of follow along in their system, but he's come to show us the way, way to the Father. And so in all four Gospels, there's this this friction. And so I paid attention in English class a few times back in my day. I know that in any good story, there's what they call rising action, right? Like the conflict is building and building and building. And so all four Gospels do that. There's the rising action of Jesus kind of pointing towards his death. 
And while there's some people that love him and follow him and profess him as Lord, there's a whole other group that say crucify him. And so as this builds in all four Gospels, we have the account of Jesus, kind of the last supper, the last gathering together with his believers on what would be really the night before he's betrayed. And, and we also in all four Gospels see a picture of Jesus face to face with his believers, knowing that he's going to be betrayed. We know Judas is going to betray him, and we know that Peter is going to deny him. And all four Gospels kind of give us this picture, but one thing happens different in John's Gospel than any of the others. In all of the others, as this rising action happens, and Peter, oh, you're going to deny me, and then immediately we go to the scene in the garden where Jesus will be arrested and will be on trial and ultimately crucified. But in John's Gospel, in John chapter 14, it pauses. Again, if you look in John chapter 13, it's all the stuff that we talked about, about he's washing his disciples' feet and he's predicting his betrayal and tells Peter that you're going to deny me. Oh, I'm not going to do that. But in John's gospel, it pauses. And for four chapters, John chapter 14 through John chapter 17, we get something that's really rich. Something for us to get together as believers as we read back is so beautiful because we get to see Jesus' heart in passion at this moment of time it's like it's like john hits pause on the story button and we get four chapters of just jesus sharing his heart with his disciples jesus in john chapter 17 praying for believers it's this beautiful moment in time where john just pauses the story and lets us in and so that's what we're reading today in the shadow of the cross the foresight the cross is coming but jesus pauses and he shares these words with his followers. And so we're going to read that now in John chapter 14. We're going to read starting in verse 25. I have it on the screen behind me uh, or in, in uh, your copy of scripture there in front of you. John 14, starting with verse 25. It says this, Jesus says, all this I have spoken while I am still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Then he says this in verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The reason it's so important that we understand that we don't just take this little snippet of scripture and put it up on the screen and say, oh, it is because Jesus was fully God but fully man. That's so hard for us to understand, but we believe that, that Jesus was fully God. But being so, he was fully man, meaning that he felt everything that you and I feel. He was on this journey, and he was at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and literally, Scripture said he emptied himself. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, this idea of control, that Jesus chose, though he was equal with God, he chose to empty himself to come to earth, to make himself nothing, to be found in human likeness. And in doing that, we believe Jesus felt everything that you and I felt. And so he knows, Jesus knows that the hour is coming for him to fulfill his call, his destiny, to give himself up on the cross. And we know in Scripture that Jesus felt fear. He prayed to the Father, Father, if there's any way, if there's any other plan, if there's any other way to take this cup from me. And so Jesus felt fear. He felt anxious. He felt afraid. And in this moment, we see him speak to his disciples on the eve of the night that he will be uh, crucified, face incredible suffering and pain. He speaks to his believers about the idea of peace. Peace I leave with you. Peace is my inheritance. When I'm not here anymore, and the disciples are thinking, where are you going? What's going to happen? But Jesus knows what's coming, and he says, I'm leaving you 
with peace. So this morning, I just want to focus on this scripture specifically in really foundational things that I believe it teaches us about this idea of peace. I've needed it in my life. Like, I needed it five minutes ago. Like, I'm still learning and growing from this, and so I pray this morning that it ministers to your heart. John's gospel teaches us, through Jesus' words, really three things I want to focus this morning on peace. The first is that Jesus wanted his believers to know that peace was a plan. Peace was a plan. That word peace, if you really look at what Jesus was saying and you really understand that Jesus didn't speak English, I know that blows some of our minds, right? That we're reading words that have been translated into English and the word that Jesus spoke there, peace, was actually the word shalom. Shalom, that word may mean nothing to you, but today in Jewish synagogue, that word shalom is still used. It's a greeting. Uh, shalom, shalom, like a hello, goodbye. It's a word that's spoken. And that word, while it translates kind of loosely into peace, what it really means is something much deeper than that. That word peace, shalom, means wholeness, completeness. Jesus is not speaking about peace like a temporary emotion or feeling, a good song on the radio. He's not speaking peace, the absence of trouble. That's what we might think. He's not speaking about peace, which to you might mean your feet propped up with your favorite show on TV. He's not speaking of peace in that way, an emotion or a feeling. He's speaking about something much deeper. He is saying, in essence, Jesus is saying, completeness, wholeness is what I leave with you. My completeness, my wholeness is what I give you. And that's a much bigger picture of this idea of peace. And the reality is that long before this moment, in fact, if in your copy of Scripture at the beginning in Genesis where Adam and Eve in the garden, they had experienced wholeness. They were experiencing completeness. They were experiencing creation as it was meant to be. But when sin entered the world, when selfishness entered the world, all of that was disrupted. And at that moment where sin entered the world, God's rescue mission for you and for me began. And the plan of peace began. Because sin would separate you and I from God. Sin would distance us from God. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. We deserve death. We can't be close to God. We can't. But Jesus became the plan. Jesus became the plan because God's peace, God's wholeness, God's restoration for your life, long before you were here, long before you showed up uh, today, his plan was in place. Why? Because he wanted to bring wholeness and completeness to your life. The shalom of God to your life. It began long before this moment, the plan for your peace. But John's gospel tells us much more than that. If you look and you continue to read in verse 27, we understand that peace was not just a plan. Peace was a gift. A gift. Look at what it says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And then he says this, I do not give to you as the world gives. I've always read that. I've always wondered, what does that mean? I don't give to you. Jesus saying, I don't give to you how the world gives. I think that can mean a lot of things. But to me, it means two things in particular. First of all, Jesus is saying, I don't give to you in the manner in which the world around you gives. The world around you, every gift you get is temporary. Every gift you get might be conditional. I'm giving you this because I have to. That's what you do when you come to a baby shower. I'm giving you this gift because you got me something and I got to get you something. I don't know. But oftentimes in our world, the way the world gives is we give conditional 
temporary things. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 my peace, my shalom, the completeness, the wholeness, the fulfillment, I give to you not as the world gives. This is not a conditional gift. This is not a fleeting gift. This is not a temporary thing. But when Jesus said that, he wasn't just talking about the manner in which the gift is given. He's also talking about the quality in which the gift is. I mean, come on, you and I, we've both gotten a gift before and said, oh, thank you. You know, like, well, I don't know what to do with this gift. This is not really what I want. I don't know. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I needed. And there's beauty in getting gifts sometimes that you don't want and you don't need. But I'm here to tell you that God's gift for you, peace. Wholeness is, is good. What do we do? We try, to, we try to manufacture peace. If I can just earn enough money, if I can just you know, get my kids through this next phase of if the job, if I get through this next promotion, then I'll write. The promise of peace for us is so fleeting. It's always the next thing, the carrot dangling in front of us. If I can just get there, then I will have peace. Or it's some false sense of emotion like some some everything is fun oh no everything's like we're just ignoring chaos happening around like and that that's not the gift that jesus came to give us his peace his gift is not how the world gives it's something real something that we really need this gift of peace but finally i want you to see and understand that jesus is speaking here of something really powerful he's speaking to us of the promise of peace the promise of peace. This is powerful for us. And this is important because we have to look and understand again what Jesus is saying and when he's saying it. Jesus is speaking these words to his disciples, to the people that he loves, before he will be crucified. And as he's speaking it, it's almost as if he is prophesying. It's almost as if he is speaking to something that is yet to happen. My peace I give to you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Jesus, why would we be afraid? Jesus, why? Well, well, Jesus knows what's about to come. And what's about to come is he's about to be arrested and beaten and on trial and nailed to a cross. And we may be able to flip the page and say, oh, no, it's okay. He's going to rise again. No, no, no. The believers and those, they were gutted. They were terrified. They were afraid for their own lives. They thought this, Jesus, I loved him. And now, God, this is your plan. This is your Messiah being nailed to a cross. Jesus knew what was about to come. And in many ways, Jesus is not just speaking about a plan, and he's not just speaking about a gift, but he is speaking of something far greater than that because he's speaking to them about a promise, a promise that will be fulfilled, a promise that in his life, in, in his sacrifice, that he will willingly lay down his life. But then the greatest part of the promise is that Jesus did not stay in the grave. That Friday, on that good Friday, oh, Jesus willingly gave. They didn't take his life from him. He willingly gave it on your behalf, on my behalf. Why? Because that was the gift of peace. That was the gift of wholeness. It came through the person of Jesus Christ. But ultimately, your wholeness and my wholeness would not be fulfilled until Jesus conquered death and conquered the grave and rose again. And so Jesus is standing here at a turning point, at a crossroads, and he is saying, I know what's about to come, and I want you to know that peace is a promise. It's a promise that will be fulfilled, that God is faithful, and that is good news for us. 
It's good news for us that we don't just have to hope that peace. We can see and we can know, no, 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 that because of the gift of Jesus and because he conquered even death, man, there ain't nothing in my life he can't conquer. Think about that now. Think about that. Some of us in this room today, we have big things we're facing today. We have hard things that we're up against today. Like you're saying, Adrian, you don't even know, and you're right, I don't know. I don't know what you face. I don't know the burdens that you're up against today, but I'm here to tell you the promise of peace is that God is saying, oh, I will bring completeness and wholeness. Why? Because Jesus conquered even death. Even death couldn't master him. Oh yeah, he was in the grave for three days, but he rose again. And if that's true, if that's true, man, then there is nothing in my life that the promise of peace can't overcome. Jesus overcame death. But then, to take it a step further, because some of us in the room are like, well, how does that help me on Monday? How does that help me on Tuesday? Jesus promised in John chapter 14 that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that's the Spirit now that can live in you and me. And the gospel tells us that that's the deposit That's the reminder that on Tuesday morning when life around me begins to swirl and I'm so afraid and I'm so scared, I I, I could trust in the word of God, but I can also trust that the spirit of God lives in me and that I'm not alone, that I'm not walking into that alone, that the promise of peace comes with a deposit and a promise that, oh man, I've given you my spirit. (laughs) You're not alone. You're not alone in your storm. You're not alone in your trial. You're not alone in your birth. I have given you my Holy Spirit. In fact, just a few pages later, in John chapter 20, Jesus would rise again. Jesus would come back, the resurrected Jesus, the fulfillment of the shalom of God. He came, the Prince of Peace, back to life, rose again. And in John chapter 20, there's a beautiful picture of him appearing for the first time to these same disciples, the same ones that he said, peace I leave with you, peace I give you. Now their world has been ripped apart. They're hiding alone in a room, scared to death that they're going to be next. Oh, did you see what they did to Jesus, man? They're going to come for us next. And Jesus appears to them, the resurrected Jesus. He shows them his scars. He shows them his wounds. And do you know how he greets these disciples, for the first time, what he says to them, hey guys, no, 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 that's not it. Peace be with you. Whoa, 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 get this picture, because this is beautiful, right? Because peace is not a feeling, it's not a la, 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 la. No, 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 peace is the shalom, the fulfillment, the wholeness of God. And Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, shows up in their midst, and what he says to them, not once, but twice, shalom, wholeness. Fulfillment be with you. Can you, Jesus, he represents the wholeness, the completeness, the fulfillment of God. And as he stands there in his midst, and then he says, you can read it later in John chapter 20, he says, now I am sending you, and it says, don't miss what it says next, it says that he breathed on them and said, now receive my spirit. The promise of peace can't be separated from the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is the way that we can walk in the fulfillment and the promise of because we live today. We live today in a broken world. We live today in a fallen world. Just this week, man, I was overwhelmed in my life watching the suffering and pain of people around me, 
watching people go through hard days and hard battles, and, and there was nothing I could do. There was no words that I could say to make it better, just watching them journey. And, and I'm here to tell you, man, that if that's you today, there's real pain in your journey, and there's a real heaviness, and there's a, no like snap your fingers and I'm just going to snap out of it. That's not it. But I'm here to tell you today because the promise of God the promise is that I've given you my spirit. And because of that, peace can be your reality. God doesn't want to change, change the circumstances. Often what he wants to do is he wants to change us in the midst of our circumstances. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? Many times we pray, oh Lord, I need your help. And we pray, change that and change that and move that and shift that. And man, that's an okay prayer to pray. But the promise of peace is God is saying, oh, brother, sister, son, daughter, I have given you my spirit. And because I've given you my spirit, man, you don't need to worry so much about the circumstances around me. You need to trust and know that I will be with you. The psalmist said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How is it possible to do that? How is it possible to do that? Because the peace the shalom of our God, the completeness and fullness of God is present with us through the power of his Holy Spirit. Peace for us is a promise that we can rely on. Amen? Amen. Some of us in this room believe this. Some of us in this room, we are only here because of this. Some of us in this room, the only reason we got out of bed today is because the peace of God is a promise that we can base our life upon. There's a word and a phrase this week that I've been praying and, and just been thinking, this is so practical. This is so easy. This is so elementary for so many of us. But this is where it comes down to it for me in my life. And that's this, that the peace of God begins within. The peace of God, listen, listen, don't tune this out because I know it's simple. And I know many of you already knew this. But there's a lot of things that we know to be true that we don't always practice in our everyday life. The peace of of God begins within. The peace of God is not found through the next thing out there, the next job that you need, the next uh, whatever thing you can buy, the next promotion that you'll, that is not where the peace of God will be found for you. The peace of God will not be found because your circumstances change. And I pray, I pray in some of your circumstances they do change, but that's not where the peace of God begins. The peace of God begins within our hearts, within us. Because you see, if we're always praying, Lord, change them, Lord, do that, Lord, and, and man, God can do that. God can part the waters. God can calm the storm in your life. But many times as I read this word, I see Jesus not always calming the storm, but bringing us through the storm. God is with us in the storm, that he is an ever-present help in trouble. And so my challenge for us today is to understand that peace is not something out there that we have to find or earn or attain, but peace begins when we allow the plan, the gift, the promise of Jesus, the peace, the shalom of our God to come in and that his spirit would move into our midst. It changes everything. The peace of God begins within our hearts. This morning, I'm going to ask uh, the team to come. They're going to help us close and worship. And as they do, I'm going to be really honest with you today that all week as I was preparing to share with you about this, I felt like this is what the Lord said. Just share about what I've been teaching you. Share about the things you're wrestling with in regards to peace. I felt like somebody here needed to hear that. And all week, I've been watching a lot of pain 
and a lot of burdens, some of them of our pastors, of people in leadership at this church that love and serve faithfully, and there's just hard things happening in their lives. Of other people, I've just been seeing them journey, and all week I've been wrestling with this idea of peace in the midst of that. And then this morning, I woke up today, and I woke up this morning, and I cannot explain it to you, but I just, my stomach was in knots. And, and I, 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 I slept enough, you know, I went to bed on time, and I went to bed fine, and, but I woke up this morning, and I, I was exhausted, and all I can tell you is that I, I, I was afraid. I was so anxious, and I, I couldn't, I tried to talk myself out of it, like, did I eat something funny? What happened? What did I, you know, just, and I could not get over it. I couldn't do it, and I, I sat down at my notes, as I do most early Sunday mornings, begin to read, and I just, I couldn't focus. I was tired. I was just gripped with all kinds. I couldn't, so I came here to church, and I was grateful that the weather allowed us to come, and I came, and as I was up praying with some of our pastors before the service, we were praying, and it was my turn to pray, and I began to pray in the song that was just sung a few minutes ago, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. I could hear the girls singing it and practicing it. And I just, in that moment, I couldn't even get the words out. I started to pray. I said, dear God, and I just, I began weeping. And something in me broke off. I can't explain it. I, this is weird. But in that moment, something happened in my heart. And it wasn't because God changed my circumstances. It wasn't because something magical. It was just because the name of Jesus became magnified in my heart. It was because the name of Jesus became bigger than anything else going on around me. And that may sound so simple for some of you, but all I can say is that God did it in my heart today. And then I came down here in the first service and I was on the front row and there was nobody near me, which was good because I was just crying and snotting and it was gross, but it was just God doing something in my heart. He was bringing peace to me. He was bringing peace. And then I hoped that I was dehydrated enough. I didn't have any tears left, but then again, here I was just a minute ago as we're singing, as we're magnifying Jesus, right? As we're lifting not up our circumstances, not the things around us, not the things around us that could bring chaos. And, no, no, but we begin to magnify Jesus. That's what worship is. I'm going to exalt you, Jesus. I'm going to lift you up in spite of that stuff. Even while I'm in the storm, I'm going to lift you up. And I'm just here to tell you, man, God, he was just doing something again in my heart today. Do you need peace? He promises. He promises peace. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. It's a promise today that's made available because of his death, because of his resurrection. Oh, and because the spirit of the living God is available right now to live in our hearts. That when we walk into that situation, when we walk into that storm this week, we do not walk alone the power and the presence of the God who is our peace goes with us. The peace of God begins right here within. Would you stand now to your feet? I want to pray for you today. I want to pray today if that's you and your world feels chaotic, your circumstances in your life feel so far out of your control you feel exhausted or scared or I don't know what it is today I'm not trying to instill fear today through the power of God's word I want you to be delivered from fear so with your heads bowed and your eyes closed could I just pray with you today could I just pray that today you would recognize the fullness the completeness of God in your heart that you wouldn't have to run anymore 
You wouldn't have to be afraid anymore. Maybe, maybe when you leave this room today, your circumstances have not changed, but you recognize the presence of God with you, and you do not walk alone. Jesus, Jesus, that's the name that we exalt today. We don't exalt the name of circumstances. We don't exalt the name of failures. We don't exalt the name of our past. We don't exalt the unknown of our future. We exalt, we lift up the name of Jesus because at that name, the enemy has to flee. At that name, you bring us through the storm. You walk us through the valley of the shadow of death. The promise of peace can become the reality for us. And so, Lord, we ask you, we invite you, your presence to come and to show us what it means to walk in your peace. We love you and we worship you, Jesus, our Prince of Peace. Thanks again for listening today. Email us at info at beaconofhope.org with any questions about our church. We have two gatherings every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and a third gathering at 11.45 in Spanish. We are at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia, and we would love for you to join us. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.